It's time for truth, without the spin, without the bias, and without the political correctness. Get that every day at dnewman.org. Here's your host, Dan Newman. What a week and what a day. Thank you so much for joining us here. I'm Dan Newman. This is dnewman.org, where almost every day, pretty much every day, you get a podcast, and we discuss in those podcast broadcasts current events of the day that apply to you, to me, and to every American. They're all important. You never want to miss. Let me tell you how to make sure you don't miss either a written post at dnewman.org or a new podcast that goes up every day. If you'll, at the front page of this website, dnewman.org, down at the bottom right side, if you'll put your email address in there, we won't send you emails. We won't sell your email. We don't sell anything at this site. But what you will receive is late at night, about 1.45 Central Time, an email goes out notifying all of our members that a new article or a new podcast is up for them to download or read at the website. That way you never miss anything. So go ahead and do it. dnewman.org, bottom right section of the front page. All you do is put your email address there and you'll never miss a story. And speaking of important stories, boy, we have some stuff going on right now. Yes, there was a royal wedding in England at Windsor Castle. Don't want to talk about Meghan or Harry. Very important in world events, but not so much when you put in context what we are dealing with again here in America. Another school mass shooting. Santa Fe High School, southeast of Houston. I'm a Houston native, born in Houston, moved to Louisiana when I was very, very young, but I was actually born about 15 miles from Santa Fe in Pasadena, Texas. So real and dear to my heart, not just because it's Texas, not just because it's Houston, but because it's children. Folks, I have had enough. It is time to stop this insanity. And the only time it seems like people that have the ability, the authority, and the responsibility to stop these kind of things, they start squealing and hollering and promising and threatening, we're going to take care of gun violence. And they never get anything done. Try as they might, and they have, I really believe, almost all of them have good intentions. But good intentions don't accomplish things. Having good intentions, coming up with plans, structuring a plan, and implementing a plan is the only way to get anything done. I think you probably will agree with me when I say this. Washington, D.C. is not very good at any of the above. Ideas float every day from all over the Potomac Valley about everything. Here's what we need to do. Here's what I think will work. Uh, What are we going to do? Well, why don't we try this? That comes out of Washington every day. First of all, things don't get done. Even if there's an idea that's a good idea that's floated out there, If it's even gone to the point of a plan, a possible plan, nothing happens on the backside 
of a plan. Why is that? Because it doesn't fit the political narrative of the day in Washington, D.C. And right now, one of the great narratives floating around our country is gun control. Now, let's today analyze this issue and put to bed the thoughts about taking guns away from Americans in any way, shape, form, or fashion, taking ammunition away from Americans in any way, shape, form, or fashion, crafting new laws for stricter gun control in any way, shape, form, or fashion. Folks, those things I just mentioned are virtually impossible to do. Why is that? Let's analyze that. Let's come up with a realistic perspective of not just the problem we face, which is not, and I don't want to be very heartless when I say this, our problem are not mass shootings. Our problems are we're not treating what's causing the problem. We're not taking care of the problem. We are only reacting to the symptoms of the problem. Gun shootings are not the problem. It's what causes gun shootings. You know, when, you're, when your child runs a fever, I've said this before on this show, what we do is run to the medicine cabinet and get Tylenol or Aleve or aspirin to get that fever down. Well, the fever's not the problem. The fever is a sign of a problem. The kid has an infection. Uh, there's something going on, the flu, a bug, a virus, whatever it is. Your body, by elevating its temperature, is telling you we got a problem. Folks, we have a problem in the United States, and it's growing, and it's getting worse and worse and worse. Shootings, mass shootings carried out against the most innocent of Americans, our children, who are defenseless in the face of of these shooters that come in with guns of any kind. And it's not just an AR-15. It's not just a semi-automatic handgun. This guy at Santa Fe used a revolver, a six-shot revolver and a shotgun and killed 10 people and injured another dozen or so. So it's not a quote-unquote assault rifle which an AR-15 has been termed by the left, and an AR-15 is not in any way an assault rifle. That illustrates the problem we're facing. The left and many on the right are treating a symptom. They ramp up the rhetoric. Oh, we've got to ban assault weapons. Well, those aren't assault weapons. An assault weapon is an M6, which is the fully automatic version of an AR-15, and it's used only by military. It's only available to the military and to some policemen. And those are only used in serious situations by police force in the case of riots or something very serious like that. They're no different than a little automatic 380 handgun that a concealed carry licensed woman will carry in her purse. Let's stop screaming about fixing symptoms. Let's fix the problem. So right now in this segment, we're going to talk about what's going on, what should be going on, and figuring out some things that we might be able to do, which we'll detail 
in the second segment of today's show. First of all, we have serious conversations about psychiatric problems. Folks, there's no doubt somebody that will take a gun and go to a school campus and walk down a hallway and shoot a bunch of kids has got some psychiatric problems. Whether they have been identified or not is immaterial. There are problems there. Those need to be addressed. Lots of different ways to do it. People, counselors, school teachers, administrators, parents can all, because they're in the presence of these students, they can sometimes identify those problems. But those people, the administrators, the teachers, the coaches, fellow students are not in a position where they can do anything about that other than to talk to somebody. And sometimes that will work and should happen. But often when it does happen, the ones that are bringing that to an authority figure are being blown off. Often because the person they bring it to can't do anything about the problem. That needs to be considered. Let's put that in slot number one. Slot number two, guns themselves. Well, the rhetoric's ramped up and will be again and again and again about doing something about guns. Let's outlaw guns. Let's put stricter laws on the use of guns, the right to own guns. Let's ban ammunition sales. Well, let's start at the top. First of all, constitutionally, the Second Amendment gives the American public the right to bear arms. Constitutionally, we can't take guns away from people. But let's just say we could. Let's just say somebody took a case to the Supreme Court and the Supreme Court ruled that we could ban guns or we could curtail the use of guns or whatever, something that would restrict guns being used. You do understand that there are reportedly at least 300 million legal guns owned in the United States of America. I think it's probably going to be closer to 350 million. That's not counting the illegal guns. That's not counting the ones that are used in many of the mass murders around the country, the individual murders. Look at Chicago. They're eaten up with murders on the streets there. Almost all of those are perpetrated with illegal guns. So any gun laws or any determination by the Supreme Court that it's okay for authorities to take guns away or curtail the ownership of guns, if that ever happened, you're not going to get the illegal guns off the street. And in most cases, those are the people that shoot others. And in most cases, people that legally own guns don't shoot others. In most cases. It would first take a constitutional amendment. And that is a long, drawn-out process that takes years. If you ever get one done, it takes years to get it done. And what if we get a constitutional amendment that gives authorities the right to come and get our guns or to curtail ammunition sales or come seize ammunition? Who's going to implement and process and administrate that law? Can you imagine telling the feds we got to go catch 300 million guns. We got to go find them and take them away from people. It would create an immediate civil war in the United States of America. That's not going to happen, folks. 
It's just not going to happen. It's not feasible to get it done. We could really restrict gun sales, new gun sales going forward. But there are so many guns that are already in the hands of Americans. Many of those Americans or some of those Americans are bad people. Even if we could do that, it would take years to put a process in place. So what are we going to do? What are our options? Everything that I just talked about, short of amending this, the, the, the U.S. Constitution, amending the Second Amendment, which I don't think will ever happen, short of that, all of the things I mentioned, and adding in a few other things like restricting even further qualifications to legal ownership of guns, background in investigations, background checks, uh, take a little longer, go more in-depth, making guns for every gun sale, private gun sale that happens, uh, the purchaser has to go through a a background check, all of those things, you add all in together. Those are things that could be discussed and plans could be put together and be implemented. But even if they are, folks, it's not going to stop the shootings, like the ones that happened in Parkland, Florida, and the one we're living just a couple of days after right now from Santa Fe, Texas. What are we going to do? Got a plan. Sit tight. Back in just a moment at dnewman.org. Hi, Tom Bodette. Of all the things invented in 1962, some have faded away, like cassette tapes, and others are still very much with us, like lava lamps and Motel 6. Yep, Motel 6 is celebrating 50 years of giving travelers a good night's rest and saving you more for what you travel for. But we're just getting started. In fact, the longer you watch us, the better we get. Kind of like a lava lamp. Trippy. I'm Tom Bodette for Motel 6. 50 years and the light's still on. If your toddler falls in the pool, you think you'll hear this. But what you'll really hear is this. It happens quickly and silently. About 260 children younger than five drown in pools each year. That's about one nursery school class each month. Put a fence around your pool. Place an alarm on doors leading to the pool area. For more pool safety tips, visit the U.S. Consumer Product Safety Commission website at cpsc.gov. Just because you think something's right doesn't mean it's right. Just because you think something's wrong doesn't mean it's wrong. But always get the truth about right and wrong here at dnewman.org. We're talking about some realistic gun control plans today. We looked at the problems, we looked at the possible solutions and things that have been discussed ad nauseum by the politicals, by moms and dads, parents, people that are very concerned about this problem. But we've identified that all of those things that we're talking about are just simply working on symptoms. They're not going to fix the problem at all. We've got to find a way to take care of this. We've got to stop these school shootings, and we have to stop them now. We can't let another 10 or 12 or 15 or 20 or 40 or 100 students get shot while we're walking around in a circle talking and screaming and hollering at each other about, here's what we need to do, here's what we need to do. We can do a lot of things, folks, but until we figure out what to do long-term and how to fix the problem long-term, don't you think we need to stop the shootings? 
We can stop the shootings. Remember 9-11? You remember those 3,000 Americans that gave their lives when those two towers in Manhattan came tumbling because some terrorists flew some planes into them? You remember that? Remember those people killed at the Pentagon when that plane that one of the other terrorists flew into it crashed and killed those people? We stopped those things. The TSA was created. And now one of the most uncomfortable things to do that I hate to do the most when I fly commercially is to go through security checks at airports. But they're necessary. And they work. How many plane hijackings have occurred since 9-11 in the United States? Think about that for a second. How many? Hmm. None. Why do you think that is? Because the people that hijack planes know they're not going to be successful. They can't get on planes with box cutters anymore. Any kind of potential gun or weapon is taken when they go through screenings. Now, why can't we do that at schools? Well, you say, Dan, there, there are 30,000, 40,000, 50, 60,000 schools in America. It would cost a fortune to put security like that at every school. Guess what, folks? You remember the story we did a couple of months ago? a report that was issued by a congressman from Oklahoma. He went through with a committee and analyzed the 2016 waste dollars just totally wasted by the U.S. government. You remember how much it was? $430 billion with a B. $430 billion. I've talked about it several times in uh, subsequent stories here. We can do a lot with $430 billion. So what do we do? What do we do? Why don't we find someplace, someplace else on earth that has had some of the similar problems with school shootings and have done something about it and have done it successfully? Hmm, think there's any other place like that? Well, for those of you who've been members here for a while, you may remember this on February 16th of this year at dnewman.org, I posted a story, I did some investigation and found out that there is a very successful school protection program in place that has been in place for a number of years in Israel, of all places. And it works, folks. Let's talk about it. In 1974, Israel endured the Mayalot Massacre in which Palestinian terrorists took 115 people hostage at Native Mir Elementary School. It was horrible, folks. 22 children, three others were killed, 68 were injured. That's way back in 1974. After that, Israel implemented the school protection plan. We're going to talk about details of it in just a second. Since 1974, listen to this. 1974 to today, there have been two incidents. Both were initiated by terrorists. Only four deaths occurred of students. More than 20 terrorists in those incidents. More than 20 terrorists were killed. And all but two of those 20 came at the hands of armed school guards, administrators, and even a couple of students. 
Such a plan works in Israel. How does it work? And before you start screaming and hollering, we don't want to have teachers with guns. We don't want to have coaches with guns. Well, if you don't, at least in the short term, we're going to be burying a bunch of school kids because the publicity that this wonderful mass media that we have in America today almost give glory to these shooters by putting them all over the television screen, front page, newspapers, blog sites, radio talk shows, a lot of sick people out there that want fame and fortune. And if they don't think they have much of a life left yet, what a way to go out in a blaze of glory than to go kill a bunch of people. Now, you and I don't think like that, but a whole lot of people do. Obviously, more and more are thinking that way and are taking that way out. Let's talk about the whole Israeli school process for elimination of gun violence. I'll just go through the list, and then we'll come back and talk about those that apply, those that would work, those that could work. There's a military service requirement for all Israeli young people, men and women, those with physical impairments and those with religious objections to military service or exempted from the program. All others served a stint in the military. I believe it's two years. They therefore have intense firearm training that follows them after they leave the military. Now, this doesn't mean that they own automatically or handle guns after they leave the military. It means they know how to use guns and are trained to do so under certain circumstances. To own a gun, they must receive a government approval to do so, and only with a reasonable reason for having that gun. School buildings, and this is where I think we need to start. School buildings are extremely secure. They are all fenced, some with fences extremely tall to prohibit bombs from being tossed over into school facility. Remember, Israel is bordered on all sides by the ocean and countries with terrorist elements whose constituents do not like Israel and occasionally conduct terrorist acts against Israel. That's one little piece of this that we will not, at least right now, have to deal with in such a program. Almost all schools do not provide school buses, as in the United States. Students use public transportation, primarily commercial buses, listen to this, which each contain an armed guard. Those armed guards are hired and are trained in self-defense and defense against a shooter or shooters. Ask me how many school bus incidents have happened since 1974 in Israel. Not one. Schools each have a guarded entry gate. One way in, one way out. All those who enter are stopped and questioned by a professional armed guard. Those entering must have valid IDs, a verifiable reason or appointment to enter school grounds, and must be accompanied at all times when on school property. Of course, students, they come check in. They're screened. There are metal detectors or whatever before they go on the property, but anybody else that goes in is screened the same way, and then they've got to have somebody escort them to an appointment they have with the principal or a school teacher or whatever while they're on school property. Emergency incident response for all types of emergencies are devised, implemented, and practiced at periodic scheduled intervals. 
They include all personnel and students who are regularly on school property. Every type of catastrophe is planned for. Now, some teachers and some administrators are armed. Their being armed is visible so that everybody knows who has a gun. All teachers participate in a gun shooting and self-defense class, but teachers are not forced to carry a weapon. Doing so is purely voluntary. Guards are not all armed, but those who are answer to either local police authorities or military authorities who specifically handle Israeli school security. You think that plan might work or some kind of portion of it might work in the United States? Think about this. I, I'll, just, I'll just draw a picture right now. I live in northwest Louisiana. Airline High School's half a mile away from where I live. Airline High School is a big school, probably the same size as Santa Fe High School, the school that was shot up just a few days ago. And uh, it's probably as wide open as Santa Fe High School. It's got big parking lots on three sides of no on, on two sides of the school um big entryway in the front doors all the way around the facility let's just say airline high school a massive fencing was put around it and let's say instead of one guard gate and only one place to drive in to walk in to go to class for teachers to come in, for administrators to come in. There's two. The two main parking lots, there's an entryway there. And at each entryway, let's just say you hire three full-time people. So you got six full-time people there. And every student that drives in, every student that comes in, every school teacher that comes in, every administrator that comes in, every visitor that comes in is stopped. They've got to get out of their car. They're screened. They go through the uh, metal detector. They have their ID. They're made, made certain that they're who they say they are. They have to have an appointment that's verifiable. And you're thinking, God, I can't get my kid out of bed to be at school at 8 o'clock. Granted, that is something to consider. But you know what? When you fly, and how many millions of people fly in the United States? When you fly, you know how long it's going to take to get through security at the airport and you leave and get there in time to get through security. Go to the ticket counter, check your bag, and go to security. Since 9-11, it's been happening and happening and happening, and I fly a lot commercially. I have never missed a flight because of security. I make myself plan ahead. Now, let me ask you this. Is that imposition enough? Well, it might be. It might not be enough. There are ways that somebody who wants to kill somebody could probably work around and find a way to get in a school and kill somebody. But the same thing holds true for bringing an airplane down. Just because you can't get a box cutter through security at DFW Airport in Dallas now, and you could before, just because you can't do that doesn't mean there's not another way that you can research and find out to take a plane down. What it does do, folks, is it makes it multiple times more difficult to do. And that's why planes aren't falling out of the air or getting blown up in the United States. That's why nobody's flying planes into skyscrapers since 
It's because they know there's a price to pay. And they don't want to pay that price. Is this the end all, the be all? No, I don't think it is. I definitely think we need to look at background checks. We need to stiffen that process up. We need to make it shorter, more thorough. We need to make it a priority. Not just background checks, psychiatric checks. School teachers are with kids more than we are. They know when they have a student that has psychological issues or has any kind of tendency. You got a guy like the shooter at in, in, in Texas that comes to school wearing that long coat, and it's in May, and Houston is always hot and sticky and humid. Red bells should go off in some administrator, some teacher's mind, and they should talk to somebody. And then somebody who knows how to deal with that kind of thing makes a determination of what the next step would be. You know, we hear, if you see something, say something all the time. Often when we say something, we're blown off. Nobody pays attention. That's why a lot of people don't say anything. We got to get rid of that whole thought process. If I'm not doing anything wrong, yeah, it might be an imposition if somebody says that they think I might be considering to do something wrong and somebody comes and talks to me and they find out, nope, I'm not planning on doing anything wrong. That'll hurt my feelings and all that kind of stuff. But there are 10 people dead who have parents that will mourn the rest of their lives because somebody didn't do that in Texas. Well, that's expensive. Think about all the fencing cost and uh, the, the, the metal detectors and all these schools that, ha- that has to be done in and the imposition and we're going to have to hire additional people. How much is your kid worth? How much is it worth to you to keep them alive? And then, oh, by the way, if you sit in the House of Representatives or the Senate in Washington, D.C., do you really care enough to go put your finger on your piece of that $430 billion that was wasted by government spending, all of which, every one of those $430 billion had to be allocated and signed off by you? Do you care enough to grab enough of that $430 billion that was blown in 2016 and commit a piece of it, a significant piece of it, whatever piece of it is necessary, to make our school facilities safe and to keep them safe? That's a question. And I can't answer that. But what I can say, my answer is, I am sick and tired of talking about it. I am sick and tired of pointing fingers. I am sick and tired of politicians saying the right thing they know we all want to hear and then never, absolutely never following up with real solutions. Folks, new laws aren't going to work. 600 federal gun laws exist right now. All those illegals in Chicago, Illinois, with illegal guns that are killing people, murdering, slaughtering people. Nothing's being done about that. So don't talk to Americans. Mary Emanuel, Illinois legislator. 
I know you can tell how put out I am. I really am tired of all this stuff. I've got six grandkids. I want them to go to school, be safe, not have to worry about somebody taking advantage of them or shooting them. Hey, listen, thank you so much for joining us today. Be listening. Be watching. I appreciate you joining us at dnewman.org. Just because you think something's right doesn't mean it's right. Just because you think something's wrong doesn't mean it's wrong. But always get the truth about right and wrong here at dnewman.org.